Let me pray. Father, quieten our hearts. Be still, you say, and know that you are God. Take our thoughts away from us of this past week, those things that would interfere with hearing your word. Open our ears that we may hear your word. Open our minds that we may understand your truths. Open our hearts that we may love you more. And so, Father, we pray for Duncan as he speaks, that he may not speak, but the voice we hear will be yours. And the word read might burn into our ears. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. A few years ago, uh, the ABC released a documentary. I don't know if you got to see it when it was out. It was called uh, Making Australia Happy. Uh, it was this documentary, uh, a, a series, and it took this group of unhappy people a group of people who, were, who identified themselves as being unhappy and tried to equip them with different things and attitudes and skills and, uh, to increase their happiness levels at which they measured on some different scales. Anyway, uh, it was set in what was apparently Australia's most unhappy suburb, a place called Marrickville in Sydney. And I was living there at the time, actually, uh, and I really enjoyed it. So I didn't know what, was, what they were talking about, but uh, apparently it rates pretty low. Well, uh, they got these, these unhappy people to do this exercise. Uh, part of the show was this exercise. And it had to do with a sultana. Now, I kid you not, the ex- this was the exercise. They had to take a sultana, one single sultana, and take five minutes to eat one sultana. Now, five minutes is a long time when you've got one sultana to eat, right? But anyway, the, uh, it, the, you're supposed to let it sit in your mouth and sort of you know, feel its texture let it, and, and really slowly chew it. Uh, and people really struggled, as you might expect. It's such a weird thing to do, right? <laughs> Particularly for people uh, who are used to the frantic pace of life in the 21st century in Australia. Uh, whose attention spans are trained to focus on, on anything for probably not more than 10 seconds, you know, to, to have five minutes on this one thing. Uh, people really struggled. Now, friends, I'm not advocating for painfully slow sultana consumption, okay? This is not what this is about. Um, but it was fascinating. It was fascinating to see these people, as they did slow down and focus on, on this really small thing, how impacted they were by it. it. It's so easy to kind of rush through without taking stock, without stopping to see how amazing something that's so small and appearingly insignificant, how incredible it can be. Well, um, all of that by way of introduction to say that today we're going to do a little bit of a sultana exercise. Okay, it's just one sentence. And often in, uh, in these letters of Paul, I mean, the sentences are just packed full of so much. And it's easy to rush over it, isn't it, as you read through. Uh, we're up to chapter 2 of Colossians. It's easy to rush over. But if we, can, if we can just take the time this morning to slow down and to dig 
deeply. There are incredible, incredible gems to be found here in these verses. Colossians 2, verse 6 to 7. It is uh, an incredible, incredible verse. We uh, had uh, the um, uh, one version of it up here on the tree. But it is Paul's theme verse. This ver- these, these two verses are Paul's theme sentence for his whole letter. Uh, it's a key turning point in the letter. It's the first time in the whole letter that he's actually turned to tell the Colossians something to do. Uh, it's really a helpful skill to pick up when, you're, when you are reading through Paul's letter to keep your ears open for this moment when Paul turns to say, what then are you to do in response to these things? It's always an important moment. It's often at that moment that you get a real insight into what is driving Paul, what's at his heart, and what his deep concern is for writing the letter. Um, if the, the, the blokes who went up to men's convention had the privilege of hearing John Dixon speak a couple of weeks ago and he um, put a picture up like this. This is what, sort of like what the letter would have looked like. No spaces, all capitals, you know, terrible uh, to read. But this was one way that you, reading through this letter and then John brought this out. Uh, a really helpful insight, I thought. Um, when... This is one way that an author, uh, someone writing a letter, would signal to his readers, pay, out, pay attention, listen up. <laughs> You're reading through and suddenly you get this command or instruction. Uh, for those of you who actually were taught grammar, not like me, I didn't, an imperative. <laughs> when, when Paul turns to this point, uh, they know that something is significant is going on. And here, in these verses... Paul sums up everything he's said so far. He links everything that's come before with everything that's going to come after. And it has huge implications for us, for our everyday life. So from this point on, Paul moves on to talk about the Christian life. What does it mean to live as a Christian? He's got a lot to say in the rest of his letter. Paul cares deeply for how... God's people live for how we live. He's not interested in armchair theology, right? He wants to see lives changed. He gives warnings and instructions and advice, but here he gives his fundamental framework. And if we miss this, uh, we're at risk of misunderstanding everything else that Paul goes on to write about. Two parts. <laughs> And uh, on one level, they're so simple, but uh, on a much deeper level, they're things that we just need to keep coming back to again and again. Two parts that Paul talks about, how to begin as a Christian and how to continue as a Christian. And Paul's main point here, his main point, something so easy, and we'll come back to it later, his main point is thinking about how to go on as a Christian, how to begin as a Christian, and how to continue as a Christian, Paul's main point here is there's no difference between the two. There's no difference between the two. Well, if you have your Bibles (laughs) open now, we're finally going to get to these great verses in Paul's letter. Paul says, So then, 
just as you have received Christ Jesus as Lord, continue to live your life in him. Rooted in and built up in him, strengthened in the faith as you were taught, and overflowing with thankfulness. He starts it's a really simple way of saying, so then. And it's this little one word, in the, but these two words that link everything that Paul's written to what he's saying now. If you've been with us as we've journeyed through this amazing letter, uh, and we read it earlier, the, this excerpt, this part of chapter one, you'll see, you would have heard about just how incredible what Paul has written has been. He tells this story, the story of the gospel. And before thinking about the Christian life, what he goes on to talk about, we need to have this story in our minds. It is nothing less, and we saw it a few weeks ago, it is nothing less than the story of the whole universe, the whole creation, captured sort of in its essence in verses 15 to 20. And as we confessed before, as we read a few weeks ago, 15 to 20 of chapter 1, uh, they paint this incredible picture of Jesus as the Lord, the undisputed, incredible Lord of all creation. Everything that is, everything that ever will be, is created for him and through him and by him. But then uh, we also saw a couple of weeks ago there's a problem, isn't there? <laughs> there's a problem to this. And it's right there in verse 21 of chapter 1. It's our alienation, our 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 being enemies with God. Now, a few years ago, I was listening to the radio and heard a neuroscientist discussing the links between um, uh, between the brain and sort of neurology and religion, right? And uh, he talked about how numbers of people like going to church, not because they actually believe it, <laughs> but be just because it's a good chance to sit and think about your morals for an hour on a Sunday, <laughs> just to take the time out to to think about how you live. He said it in a positive way. It was sort of, a, you know, religious groups perform this positive social neurological thing, uh, a space for people to think about their morals. But if that's, if that's why we're here, then this gospel story is bad news for us, isn't it? And we saw that a few weeks ago. It is bad news for people trying to be moral without Jesus. Outside of Jesus, we are cut off. From God, estranged, we are His enemies. It's all about Jesus, and there is this incredible and tragic problem. But more overwhelming than that, we saw the incredible solution: what God has done, what God has done in Christ. Verse twenty, verse twenty-two, uh, a great. Um, encapsulation, a great picture of what Jesus did on the cross. Jesus dying in our place, bearing our punishment for our rebellion to reconcile us, to bring us home to God. Well, it is the story of the most incredible gift. God has done what we were unable to do. He's done what we were unwilling to do. We were prisoners in the kingdom of darkness, it says, and he rescued us. We were enemies, and he reconciled us. We were dead, and he made us alive in Christ. 
well, this amazing story that takes up the whole universe. And last week we had a bit of a look at how it had gripped Paul, if you were here last week. It had totally turned his life upside down. But now he turns to Colossians and he sums up everything that's been written so far in this verse. So then, given all of that, just as you received Christ Jesus as Lord. What does it mean to begin as a Christian? Paul sums it up in these, this powerful little phrase, to receive Christ Jesus as Lord. They were receivers. It's, it's a central reality of living as a Christian. You notice Paul didn't say, just as you earned Christ Jesus as Lord, just as you achieved It wasn't when they deserved it. It was when they didn't deserve it. They received. They just received. See how sort of passive that is in a way? God's the actor here. His sovereign and electing love rescued them, gave them life. All they did was hold out their hands like beggars to receive, to just to receive, not to contribute, to receive this gift. What was it that they received? Well, friends, again here, this is important that we slow down. Did you notice as we went through, as we just read it, they didn't receive a philosophy. They didn't receive a formula. Sometimes uh, I think we can think of the gospel as sort of like a neat formula, as if being a Christian were a mathematical puzzle to solve, right? Jesus, uh, Jesus plus sin equals forgiveness. They didn't just receive a formula to plug themselves into. It misses the heart of what Paul's getting at. It's not what they received, but who. They received Christ Jesus, the Lord of chapter 1. <laughs> they received him. The one who is Lord, they received him as their Lord. There's no question about Jesus' lordship. It's established, it's true, in his resurrection from the dead. He is Lord and they received him as their Lord. You see what he's saying here? How they began as Christians gave them a whole new identity. It put them in a new relationship and friends, this is really, uh, if you um, have, have uh, been around uh, Christian things for a while, you might have come across this common objection. Uh, and it's a common objection and actually it was, it's been around for millennia. <laughs> Paul talked about it. Uh, if being a Christian is only by God's grace, if, if you just receive, if that's how you start as a Christian... It doesn't it matter how we live? Doesn't it matter how we live if it's all by this gift of God's grace? It's easy to get nervous how, how extreme this picture is, that becoming a Christian has nothing to do with how good we are. It's just about receiving a free gift. And here is why this is so important, that they didn't receive this kind of mathematical solution or a new life philosophy. If they had, maybe you could argue that it didn't really matter how you lived. No. They, that's not what they received. They received Christ Jesus 
as their Lord. In him there is forgiveness, there is forgiveness, there is reconciliation. But fundamentally their becoming Christians was about entering into a new reality, a new relationship. We saw it earlier, chapter 1, verse 13. God had rescued them, he'd gripped them and taken them out of the kingdom of darkness and put them into the kingdom of his beloved son. And it changes everything. Changes everything. Well, we're going to talk, just go on to look at how it changes everything for Paul, how we start as a Christian. Familiar territory, I hope, for many of us, but so important to keep coming back to. But before we go on to the, his next little, um, uh, what Paul goes on to say, uh, I just think it's worth us pausing at this point, thinking about everything that Paul said in chapter 1 and he describing us as being receivers of the Lordship of Christ, uh, it's important for us to ask, what is the picture of God that is presented here? Um, maybe this is sort of how some of us sometimes think about God. I don't know if you know this uh, uh, Far Side cartoons, Gary Larson, classic. This is one of the best, um, although it's terrible because it's a bad theology, but it's funny. Uh, it's got God, it's at the, if you can't read it, down the bottom it says God at his computer. Uh, and there's a, little, there's a man walking along the street with a piano hanging over him and he's got his finger hovering over the smite button on his computer, you know, sort of just waiting for this guy to slip up, ready to smite him. Terrible theology, okay. I know, but it is uh, a classic. Uh, but what is the picture of God presented here in Colossians? Uh, this stern disciplinarian who is ready, has his finger over the smite button, you know, ready to pounce at any chance he gets. Or maybe on the other hand, uh, a kind of distant uh, relationship, you know, a God who doesn't really care how you live. That's not what we get here, is it? Chapter 1, chapter 1, God is the Father of the Lord Jesus, who is now our Father. Chapter 3, which we'll look at in a couple of weeks' time, describes God's people as chosen and holy and dearly loved. Dearly loved. Membership in this family is not based on our performance. It's not driven by anxiety and fear. Being born again into God's family, being a citizen in Jesus' kingdom with him as our Lord, is simply... How to, beginning as a Christian is simply to humbly hold out our hands and receive God's amazing free gift, this new identity, having Jesus as our Lord. So that's how you begin as a Christian, according to Paul. And the key to going on, <laughs> the key to going on, I hope that uh, we can um, dig into this next little bit now, the key to going on as a Christian, what Paul wants to just drive home to the Colossians, is that how you go on is exactly the same way as how you started. The Christian life is lived from start to finish as a receiver of God's gift, as a receiver of his grace. We are always, friends, we never move past this, we are always unworthy, loved receivers. We never move on. Growing as a Christian means growing deeper 
and deeper into this reality. We don't move on to a deeper philosophy. We don't move on to special rules for the Christian elites. Um, it seems like that might have been one of the dangers for the Colossians, and we'll look at that next week. Paul goes on to talk about that through the rest of chapter 2. But you don't start life as a receiver and move on to be a performer. I mean, it's just it's so important to hear that, isn't it? You do not start the Christian life as a receiver and move on to be a performer. We are receivers through and through, and we never leave it. Nothing in our hands we bring. Simply to the cross we cling. Well, what does this receptive life look like? Just as you received Christ Jesus as Lord, so in that same way, continue to live your lives in him. Paul goes on and he uses a series of mixed metaphors. Um, not sure if you're happy with mixed metaphors. There may be some grammar sort of uh, aficionados amongst us who will um, get angry at Paul for this. It's sort of like, you know, you might hear uh, on the, the post-match replay, if you watch the rugby or something, you, know, you get all these mixed metaphors like, oh, he had the reflexes of a steel cat, you know. <laughs> And you think about it for a minute, hang on a second, <laughs> that doesn't make sense. But don't worry, don't worry, it's not rocket surgery, okay? If, you're, if you are um, you know, really keen on your grammar, just let it go and go with it, okay? Uh, Paul uses these mixed metaphors, he changes all the way through to, to try and get under and, and talk about what this receptive life looks like. Uh, he says that it, we, uh, they are to continue to live in Christ rooted and built up in him, rooted in him. Uh, the image he uses is of this uh, incredible big tree, right, with these deep roots, sinking your roots down into, into Christ. I kind of, I think of, you know, a big Moreton Bay fig, like the ones, I think there's some down in Victor near the train station, yeah, there's solid trees with roots sinking down, uh, grounded in Christ, held up by Christ, nourished by him. And then he changes this metaphor, to get, moves on from the tree uh, to a building built up in him, this solid building, a work in progress, always being renovated, but with foundations firmly set in Christ, rooted and built up in him. And again, you notice how, how passive this is. A tree doesn't plant itself, a building doesn't build itself. We are rooted and built up in him. It's a picture of utter dependence on God in what he's doing for us and to us in Christ. Well, And in an age of kind of self-made individualism, uh, dependence, it seems to me, can be a bit of a dirty word, right? This idea of being dependent on someone else. It's a sign of weakness, a sign of being manipulated. But here with Jesus, dependence is wonderful. It's what we were made for. He is our good Lord. He is the only source of life and energy for Christian growth. Rooted and built up in Christ, strengthened in the faith as you were taught. It's, it's the same point as he's just said in verse 6. Don't move on from the gospel. The same simple gospel message continues to be 
the source of your life and your strength. You see, friends, growing strong as a Christian, being strengthened, growing a stronger faith, it means, it means growing a stronger trust, faith and confidence in Jesus. Not in the Jesus of our imagination, not in Jesus who, as we would like him to be, but in Jesus as we were taught. We were being strengthened in this faith as we were taught, as taught by the apostles, as we find in the scriptures. Rooted and built up in Christ, this receptive life, strengthened in the faith as you were taught. And friends, all of this is both humbling and liberating. It is both incredibly humbling. Is he? There is no place for pride or self-importance. Do you notice that in this imagery that Paul uses? There's no place for that. If you're a Christian, your life in Christ is nothing other and never will be anything other than a gift. It's not because you deserve it. It is given to you even when you were God's enemy, even when you were at war with him. And you, can you see, friends, how, just how wrong, just how out of place it is to be a, a proud and self-important Christian. <laughs> it cuts against the heart of our identity as receivers. We are receivers. But at the same time, and I think because it's so humbling... <laughs> It is also, at the same time, the most liberating thing in the world. This receptive life is so liberating. See, friends, for those in Christ, those who continue to live in him, we need to hear this again and again and again, life is not about performing. Your life is not about performing. It's not an anxious performance before God or others or even before ourselves. This is a constant temptation, a constant temptation in life. It's a temptation to base who we are on what we do. A temptation to base who we are on what we do. And it's so ingrained in us, I think it comes from something very dark within us. See, at heart, our rebellion against God is a rebellion against humble dependence upon him. So we base, we base who we are not on what we receive from him, but on what we do, <laughs> on what we do. We sink our roots into ourselves. We build ourselves up. <laughs> we strengthen ourselves in our own works. But Jesus reorders our hearts, friends. Jesus reorders our hearts so that being a dependent receiver is not something to rail against. It is something to rejoice in. It is so freeing. See, the gospel flips everything around. Uh, it doesn't let go of what you do. Okay, what you do is important, and Paul's going to go on to talk about that. Uh, but you don't, for, for those in Christ, we don't need to base who we are on what we do. We flip it around. <laughs> we base what we do on who we are in him, who God has made us to be. You don't need to do that. You don't need to be uh, sort of always anxious, never quite sure whether you're good enough. You base what you do on who you are in Christ. 
you have received Christ Jesus as Lord. So continue to live your life in him, rooted and built up in him, uh, strengthened in the faith as you were taught. And so Paul rounds off his uh, mixed metaphors with this final image of a cup that is just full and overflowing with thankfulness. If everything that is, we've talked about is true, if everything is, how could it be anything else? Not trickling with thankfulness, not even a kind of well-contained stream of thankfulness. You see the imagery Paul's using, overflowing with thankfulness, given all that God has done for them in Christ. Well, friends, that is what it looks like to begin as a Christian, to receive, to receive Jesus Christ as your Lord, to be given this new identity in God's family, in Jesus' kingdom, under his good rule. And if you haven't done that yet, there is no better time to do it than right now. All of us are able to do that. It is a free gift that God freely gives you. Hold out your hands to receive it. You can do that now. That's what it looks looks like to start as a Christian. But Christian friends, that is what it looks like to continue as a Christian. Don't move past the gospel. Live in the gospel. Just as you received Christ Jesus as Lord, continue. Continue to live your lives in him, rooted and built up in him, strengthened in the faith as you were taught and overflowing with thankfulness. Let's pray. Our Father, please keep us from uh, the kind of arrogance and self-dependence that wants to move on from the gospel. Father, I pray for us as a church that you will Enable us and strengthen us and equip us. May we be those who, having received Christ as Lord, continue to live in him, rooted in him and built up in him, being strengthened in our faith in him. Lord, make us those who, this, these, for whom these realities aren't just words, but deep realities in our own hearts that sink down so deep in us that we go deeper and deeper into every day and that overflow within us in thankfulness to you. Father, for any who don't live as, with you as their Lord, who have not received Christ as Lord, Lord, I pray that you will help them uh, to see Jesus for who he is. Help us all, Father, we pray. Give us the confidence, keep us from arrogance, but give us a great confidence uh, in knowing who we are in Christ. Help us to base what we do on who we are and not the other way around. And we pray all of this for your glory in Jesus' name. Amen.